Oh, hello. Greetings, Reclaimers. I am 343 Guilty Spark, monitor of Podcast Evolved. Protocol dictates that you must listen. Come. We have a wealth of knowledge to share with you, and you don't want to make my blue eye red. Do you, Reclaimers? Spartans to another Halo Book Club episode, part of Podcast Evolved, your home for Halo. I am your host, Aaron, and with me today we've got Krista. Hello. And we've got Oren. Hey, everybody. And this month's book club is the short story Sacrifice from the end of Shadows of Reach, specifically from the limited edition from Walmart. In case you're sitting there thinking, I've never heard of this before, you may not have. Yeah, it was not really the best like really distributed i think this was very poorly done yeah there should have been more options for this somewhere because i don't think anywhere in europe did it so i'd have never seen it otherwise i'm sure that this will be in like another collection of short stories or something like that you know they do that oh yeah probably down the line but i need it now damn it whatever infinite information there is we need it (laughs) we're dying over here things are quiet But before we get too far down the rabbit hole of how dry the infinite information is, we'll go a few things to cover. If you get a chance, go and check out our lovely website, halopodcastevolve.com or halopodcast.com. You can find links to all of our shows. We have the main show every week where we cover news and lore and the very, very scarce road to infinite. I don't know what we're going to do with that, but we'll figure something out. We've also got Mission Debrief which you can listen to the backlog of Mission Debrief episodes because the last Mission Debrief episode at the moment just went live. Krista, I think you guys are playing with a few ideas, maybe depending on how far away Infinite is, but we kind of ran out of games. Uh, Yeah, like Mission Debrief's whole thing is debriefing missions of Halo, and we we don't have any more missions of Halo. Um... What if we... What if we just did, like, some sort of... We wrote our own. Yeah, we could just write our own. Someone has someone submits fan missions for us to do. Yeah, there's there's got to be a way out there to turn Dungeons and Dragons into Halo, right? Yeah, yeah. No, we're lazy. We want to take a break anyway. <laughs> That's fair. It's been a lot of work, so it's nice to maybe have a little relax for a while. We also have our currently most bountiful content-related show, Builds with Blocks, and it is centered around the micro-action figures and brick-based construction sets of the Halo universe. And thankfully, the guys have no shortage of stuff there because all of the merch for Infinite, well, most of it came out regardless of the game. So they've had plenty to go on this last while. 
If you like what you hear on all of our shows and you'd like to support us, uh, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash Halo Podcast Evolved. We offer a variety of exclusive rewards for our patrons, like early access to episodes and swag. I believe there's a swag going out at the minute for some patrons, so if you're listening to this and you are a patron, keep a little eye out there. And we'd also like to take a minute, if you are one of our patrons, we'd like to say a special thank you to you all. You keep the lights on and it means an awful lot to us, so thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. We love you. Finally, we encourage all of our listeners who want another way to support us to try doing it through an Audible trial. You can listen to the growing collection of Halo novels all in one place, along with thousands of other novels. Highly recommend the Mistborn novels that I'm listening to at the minute, as well as guided wellness programs, Audible originals, and more. You can do that by visiting audibletrial.com forward slash podcast evolved and learn more about how to start your free trial today. So, we have a short story to cover. It's very short. It is very short. We have a few details. I will roll through these quick and then I think we're just going to talk. Normally we would go through the plot of the story, but if we do that, it might take about 15 minutes and we'll talk about the whole thing. I can I can do it real fast, don't worry. Orin did briefly toy with the idea of just dramatic reading, but I'm not sure how into that we really the are. The whole thing? Yeah, fuck it, why not? I'll do the evens, someone else do the odds. Sounds like a plan. Right, so like we said at the start, the... <laughs> The title is Sacrifice. It is a short story. It was Walmart exclusive, which is something I'm not used to saying. The author is unknown. There is a tweet from Troy Denning that basically says it was written from someone in 343. He's not sure who. And it was written around the time he was revising his story. And 343 saw the opportunity to expand on a few things, but he did not know what We'll have a few thoughts and theories on that. It's published by Simon & Schuster. Like we said, it's only available in the physical edition, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, and, th- and this is the physical edition of Shadows of Reach purchased through Walmart. Because I, I don't know if we said that exactly. And then you get a big Walmart edition sticker. <laughs> and some people, if, I think, even ordered it online through Walmart. And that version that they received didn't include the short story. So it's it's a little wonky. It's not the greatest thing. I don't like to see stories in some versions. Like if it had have been this is exclusive to the hardcover version and you charge me more money, I'd have been happier with that than going it's only the Walmart version because last time I checked, I got no Walmart here. I I don't have a way to buy this. Do you have a walmart.com slash UK? I don't think so. I think they used to own a couple of companies over here, but they sold them. We had a retailer called Asda, just for random knowledge there, but I don't think they own it anymore. It's okay. We got to play pirate. (laughs) We did, yes. Uh, We definitely didn't read photographs of this. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) Some of the photographs, I was worried some of the text was cut out because, you know, the book binding. So it was like in the book. I was able to zoom in on my phone and figure, figure some of those binding passages out super ghetto but we did it (laughs) i was reading away and zooming in as i'd get to the right bottom corner of the page and be like oh this is very small my favorite were pages where the left side was huge and the right side was super small i mean we all bought a copy of the book very good want to support everyone at 343 and how it was so easy to find the copy so we felt it was just really good for us to all buy separate copies 
Yeah, and you know, when you make life difficult like this, we have to do difficult things like read varying size text on one page. <laughs> this book came out on the 20th of October of this year. It was, I believe, if memory serves me, delayed a month. Yes. It could push back slightly. So this story in particular is 28 pages long. Timeline-wise, this is set somewhere between June and October of 2559. It is after... Awakening the Nightmare for Halo Wars 2. Yep, and somewhere around the time of uh, Shadows of Reach, its main story, which is October 2559, so somewhere within these few months. But there's no date, so we don't know. It is entirely located on the Ark, specifically in the Dreadnought. We have a few characters, the main ones. Now, I have no idea what the pronunciations are on this, so forgive me, we'll do our best. There is Minas, Choros, Bomarus, Zoratus, Akaro Vagadun, and Itka. They're kind of the main names in this. So from that, we just got to talk about this because if we do the whole plot, it's done really quickly. Well, Chris, the, you're pretty confident you can do the plot very quickly, so... <laughs> All right, hello, I'm Krista, I'm going to do the plot. Minus is tasked by Atriox to go retrieve the slipspace crystals in the Dreadnought, so they go to the Dreadnought and retrieve the slipspace crystals. While in the Dreadnought, they find Covenant, and a lot of them die. The end. Well, a lot of, of Minus and his forces die. Well, a lot of Covenant die, too. A lot of Covenant, but there's implied there's more Covenant, which we can talk about as well but that that's that's the long and short of it well that's the, sh- the short of it the long of it is if we just read it to you all right now i mean yeah we might get in trouble if we did that though maybe so i, I think that might be copyright or something i mean i don't know maybe not it's a free audiobook audible for your free audiobook yeah so that's basically the plot do we just want to go around the table of like maybe what we found to be the most interesting thing about this story because i do think there are a few little nuggets in here throughout i think i know what krista would pick but i feel like that might be the way to approach this okay first question did you like it it was okay yeah, it was it was fine i didn't dislike it but i was you know it's not like you know mona lisa or anything like that i feel like you need to read this before you read shadows of reach no no i think this spoils a little bit if you read this i know the only downside is shadows of reach kind of spoils this and that you know someone has to succeed in this raid because Atriox made his way back to the main galaxy, so you know someone got the crystal fragments. But I still en- I kind of enjoyed this. I I like getting some closure on what happened to the Dreadnought. I think that's my main takeaway from all this. It's interesting that the Dreadnought actually lies in an unoccupied space on the Ark. Not that the Ark is, like, small and all of it's occupied, but... You would think that either the Banished or the Humanity would be at least somewhat interested in the Dreadnought, but no one seems to be interested in it, except at this moment, to get something off of it. Maybe my memory's going, was it unoccupied, or was it- I thought it was within, like, Banished Green Zone, like it's their secure territory. No, I think it was in a neutral zone. Yeah, I I don't know what exactly they said, but it was something along the lines of an unexplored part of- the Ark, or like, you know, whatever Peninsula it is. and but it, but it seemed that like the Banished knew it was there, but they didn't know how to get into it. 
so they didn't really occupy it until they went then went to high charity to get the codes to then it's almost like they went on a side mission to go to high charity to get the codes to access the dreadnought to go back over to it which is kind of what awakening the nightmare was i guess yeah maybe a little bit of it but i i do agree chris that i felt like even if you didn't have access to it right off the bat i feel like the dreadnought is something you should just go and secure to just have a, a control over it before you actually can go into it because then who knows the UNSC could have gone over and, and done anything. At least for asset denial, it's like, you know, hey, let's just put a base here so that we can make sure that no one else comes to try to get this. Is it possible no one knew where it was? It's huge! But blends into this city on top of this butte sticking out of the sea. And I think they said they had to get the information from High Charity. And I'm pretty sure in Halo 3, by the time you arrive, they don't know where the Dreadnought went. They just know that it's not in the fleet that the elites face off against. So I wonder, does the UNSC just not know where it was? Yeah, maybe. If it docked into the Ark, would you necessarily see, would you spot a powered down dreadnought in the middle of Forerunner structures? They said it looked like an exhaust for the city until you got close to it. But I mean, like, Anderson stuff has access to the Ark systems. You think the Ark systems would know where an artifact like that is? But then again, to the Ark systems, is it a particularly special artifact? They talk about in this, it's a glorified science freighter, basically. It may be the most powerful ship in the Halo universe, but it's just a science ship. It's not Mantle's approach or anything. I wonder if it's just listed somewhere as there's a ship over there. I don't know. I guess in Halo 3, we actually go to like the cartographer that has all of the different stuff where you can locate anything on the Ark with Guilty Spark. So you would think he might see where it is and be like, yo, that's where you sit down, bro. But maybe he's just too crazy. I don't know. I just, I get, I wonder if maybe that's just the easy answer is maybe the humans just had no idea it's there and the brutes might have figured it out when they it sounds like they've cleansed high charity did you get that vibe like they've been searching the wreckage i think they searched the wreck they searched the wreckage that was outside the quarantine zone and a little bit inside the quarantine zone but i think it's because at the end of awakening the nightmare the shield goes back down and then the flood can't escape. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's partly contained within itself, but not completely eradicated. It's one of those one of those closed doors that they could reopen again, sort of, so to speak. Yeah, you'd have to do a lot to cleanse all of the flood off of uh, high charity. I think one of the more interesting elements that was kind of added into the story that I didn't really see coming, but it kind of sort of makes sense, is the inclusion of actual covenants still on the Dreadnought that the Banish have <laughs> to fight. And I mean, I kind of took this as, well, the Banish kind of needs some form of opposition. Otherwise, it's literally, let's go into the Dreadnought, get these crystals and leave. So there needs to be some form of engaging conflict. And I guess the faction or entity that makes the most sense, aside from the, f yeah, even more so than the Flood, is that there's just, uh, I guess, a battalion of Covenant Honor Guard that are still in the Dreadnought awaiting the Prophet's orders that died seven years ago. And they're just kind of locking the Dreadnought down for all of eternity. It's kind of funny. It's very World War II Japanese soldiers on the Nylon sort of set up. Oh, yeah. 
they never know the war ended and they're just there. They're still fighting. Yeah, I like the idea of having just an option to bring old old Covenant back and have it like make story sense. I, I just feel like it, it really can't expand beyond the Dreadnought though. Because it's not, because like I don't, I mean, I didn't get the sense, but granted that this could be developed, but I didn't get the sense that there was any one like leader that they were fighting. They were just kind of fighting the mass of the covenant that was there because they're all just servants of the prophets. There's not like a Tartarus type of a character. They have that like giant chieftain at the end that crushes the two brutes with his hammer. They didn't give him a name, but you could very easily mold that character into Tartarus 2.0. It sounds like he's formidable enough. I kind of just took him as like a Hulk. <laughs> yeah, but that that's all you really need, isn't it? Like, you, you know, three or four Blade Masters went up against him and you just have it that he's another Atriox-level brute that's just powerful, but maybe wasn't as ambitious as Tartarus. Doesn't have the smarts, but has the brawn. Yeah. I'm not sure that these honor guards left in the Dreadnought actually have the smarts to become their own faction. That's what I That's what I think. Not to get too far into Infinity stuff, because I want to keep it like close to this, but they provide an option for a game mode, I think, is just the handiest thing if you want a... If you want something raidy or firefighty and you want an option where you just fight old school Covenant, you just set a level in the Dreadnought and they just have an in-universe explanation for why they're there. Yeah, I could see that. That would be fun. Even if it was just a Warzone 2.0 level or something as adventurous as a raid, something like that. It just seems like someone in 343 wanted a way to have canonical Covenant in the future. Even if they don't have a specific leader, this just seems like a good way to leave the door open to go, oh yeah, no, these are those guys. Yeah. That's all it is. You also have the Pale Blade and like his forces to kind of kind of sidestep over to that sort of storyline. But like I never get the sense that the Pale Blade and the, the the servants are so formidable that they carry their own game or faction or anything like that. They're kind of just this this small you know, ish opposition to whatever single story is is kind of being told. And I feel like that's what the Covenant's kind of boiled down to ever since Halo 4, or I guess Halo 5. Yeah, I don't know. I see them just being like a... see them being just like a set dressing or a piece or something, but it just... Someone went out of their way to bring these guys back, so it seems there's probably a reason for it to some description. Someone out there still likes the Covenant Phantom. And wants a reason to be able to put it in a game at some point. But I like the option. They do a lot of good stuff with this. Like, they do a really good job of conveying the scale of the Dreadnought on the inside. They're talking about the bit where they're they're moving across. It's a transport corridor or something. And they can look down and see the holding cells or stasis cages or whatever they are that would have held life forms in the Dreadnought. You could very easily have that packed full of all sorts of things and just unleash them and jungle like promenade levels that are overgrown. And it seems like it's set up to be good potential for a huge big environment. Yeah, it would be fun to see some kind of level or group of levels set inside the Dreadnought. It's just good to see the Dreadnought. It's good to be, it's good to get closure on what happened to it and where it went. 
and that it's still there. Yeah. One thing this does open up now is the idea that I always assumed, what do they call the crystal in First Contact? It's like the holy light, isn't it? Yeah. But I always assumed it was a one-off crystal, but the explanation in this is that it was just the power source for the portal, which means that there's a holy light potentially on Earth, or not. Because it sounded like the Dreadnought needed these crystals to open the portal to get to the Ark, but this crystal was on reach to power that portal specifically. So how it's explained is that these slip space crystals are used in pretty much all Forerunner technology to help kind of, it's just a power boost to slip space, so it helps it become more accurate and more uh, fast. Like, slip space crystals aren't actually, like, that rare. If you can find enough Forerunner artifacts, you're bound to find a slip space crystal. And then another thing is that the Master Builder Faber knew where the, like, Slip space, there's the slip space crystals all come from this huge, giant, like ginormous crystal that the forerunners would just get pieces off of to use in their technologies. Only a handful of forerunners who would have rather died than reveal that information, and the master builder himself knew exactly where the location of the master crystal was, but it's still kind of in play because it's bound to be somewhere. So I'm guessing Truth had to use the slip space crystals to open the portal on earth just to open it but i don't think that the portal itself would have slip space crystals because then anyone any dum-dum could just go go and open it and just cause like a cataclysmic portal to open on earth to kind of jump to spoilers for shadows of reach if you haven't finished that one forewarned at the end when caster opens up the portal on reach is it implied that there that that portal is being opened on its own or is Menace or Menos using the crystals on the Ark to send a link to the portal destination on Reached, and they kind of create a link that then opens the portal for Atriox and, and Co. to come through? I believe it's that. I think that the portal needed to be cleared out and at least someone there for the other side to feel comfortable activating it. Because I, th- I think it was activated from the other side. It was activated by these crystals once it was found. I'm kind of wondering, is this more a case of they don't have control of the arc system, so they can't use the arc to power the portal, so they've like hotwired a portal generator on their side, and that's what the crystal is for. You're powering a portal to get back to Reach directly. I'm sure the Reach portal was already powered, right? Because the Reach portal is where the original slip slip space crystal was found. So the portal itself might have a slip space crystal. It's just that Ark needed one. I don't know. I got the feeling that that crystal was taken away. When Chief and that take that in first contact and go with it, that portal no longer has a crystal. I feel like they had to do something on that side just to make the connection. But it's these crystal fragments that... Menace retrieved is what actually generated the portal. Yes. I wonder if there's just smaller portal generators dotted around the arc and that Atriox has used one of them without powering it up straight from the arc itself because maybe he doesn't have access. I think the point is that like the portals on the arc aren't strong enough to reach reach so they needed the slip space crystals in order to make the portals more powerful so that they could reach a longer distance 
Did we get any sort of idea of how long the Banished were on Reach in Shadows? Was it a couple of months or was it a couple of years? It was a couple of months because they kept trying. It was months. It wasn't years. It was just a couple months. Like four, maybe. Yeah, they're like a month or two ahead of Master Chief. By the time he gets there, they've been there just long enough to start fighting. Well, and long enough for Atriox to be like, what the fuck are you doing, man? You gotta find the fucking portal, you dum-dum. So here, here's my headcanon. Let me know if it checks out. So we have Awakening the Nightmare. They they go into high charity. During all that sort of skirmishes, they get the codes to go to the Dreadnought. They go to the Dreadnought, get the crystals in like June, July. And then once they have the crystals, that's when Atriox orders his other banished forces and caster and then they go to reach to then find the portal and that, then they're there for a couple of months and then we get to October. I could see that making sense. Because in that way, it's like we have the crystals. Now we need to activate this portal so then we can start galaxy hopping across the galaxy. And then because there are fragments of crystals, he can, in theory, leave one on the Ark and take one with him. And he's now got access back and forth to the Ark whenever he needs it. Yeah. We know there's other portal generators out there. They're on isolated planets. They're on uninhabited planets. So as long as you know the location, and I'm assuming Atriox would know them because he was able to tell them there was one on Reach. So he would know that they're on other planets as well. And he obviously didn't want to portal into Earth. No. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Maybe maybe that's uh, an endgame play. Yeah, you don't want to take on that Guardian that's presumably still there. You've got to come up with a plan B. But I like this. I like the potential it opens up for stuff. The idea that there's still these diehard religious zealots locked up on the Dreadnought just waiting. It's chilling. Yeah, for a leader that's never going to come back. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. And like I said, I think it, it makes sense, even though it is a little weird, but it's fine. And it, it's a good way to kind of throw an antagonist into the story and just kind of, like Troy's tweet kind of say, just flesh out a little bit of the other minor details. So it's a, it's a good complimentary piece. It's it, It's very much akin to the other sort of short stories that we find in the Halo anthologies like fractures and evolutions it's gonna make it all the more heartfelt and emotional when as master chief you punch menace's skull through in a quick time event (laughs) perfect (laughs) you're gonna have all the backstory i'm just trying to think whenever we had the banished walk of fame at the end of shadows of reach when they like name drop seven or eight chiefs that come off the lich with them None of these guys were mentioned. Minus or no one, are they too low down the pecking order or would they be, I don't remember them being mentioned. They, I don't think they were. They might have just been tasked with doing something else on the Ark. We know Atriox wants to hold the Ark. Maybe uh, maybe Min- Min- Minas is one of a few kind of leader chieftains that are now kind of controlling the Banish's presence on the Ark now that Atriox is not there. Yeah, I'm wondering, are they on like a level of the brothers in Awakening the Nightmare? Like, they didn't seem like top-line generals or anything, just... They seemed like your Sergeant Johnsons of the world. I wonder, are these guys Bucks and Johnsons? They're not Lord Hoods or anyone? No, I don't think so. Minos was like controlling three other battalions like under him. Like, he had his own sort of troops, but then he also had... 
the uh, the Blade Master of Dune and Zerderus, is that was it who it was? Yes, I think assume that's how you pronounce it. A scourge Maker, that'll do a fine. Scourge Maker, yeah. So we had the Blade Master, another Blade Master, and a Scourge Maker as like the leaders of like their squads, but Menace was kind of enforcing and, and commanding all three. Yeah, I could see him being kind of high up on the ranks. He's a very maybe like Miranda Keys level character. It's very reminiscent of the Covenant in Halo 3. It's three teams going on three missions, or going on one mission, really, with three parts. And then lots of death. Lots of death, yeah. R.I.P. Hey, that's the that's the one where truth dies. There we go. Yeah, special shout-out to Choros, nephew of Tartarus. Yeah. Bravely sacrifices himself at the end to save Minas. Yeah, so that we don't have an awkward uh, another story with uh, Tartarus' son. He saved us. Does Tartar who's Tartarus' son? Is it his son or his cousin or something? I had a mild confusion because I thought Choros was in Contact Harvest, but it was actually Tartarus being the nephew of that brute leader, whereas now we have Choros being the nephew of Tartarus. So everyone's nephew is a more is another important brute character. <laughs> I kinda like the idea of this family line of brutes going on through the generations of Halo. And being important. It's just funny how they're all nephews, though, and not like actual blood, or, like actual descendants, like sons. <laughs> they're like twice and third removed. I wonder, do they mix the children? Is it kind of like like Sangheili culture? Well, maybe like that, or more like you take my children and I'll take yours, and that way I can't favor my own children. So, like, you're always in charge of your nephews. Or it might just be a thing where, like, they're all part of the same clan, so everyone's technically cousins and nephews of each other. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, I could see that. But, unfortunately, well, we don't know if he dies, because the last thing that Minas sees is someone returning plasma fire on a fandom, and then the lift drops too far. Could he be a character that comes back someday, taken hostage by the Covenant? Then it would just be kind of weird because at the very the whole point of this novel sacrifice or where, where it get or the short story gets its name from the sacrifice that these brutes made to buy us the time that we needed to escape with the crystals. It's like Agent Coulson being alive in the Agents of Shield TV show. To me, it just completely diminishes everything that happened in the first Avengers movie. They totally make up for that by writing really cool storylines. If uh, Choros became as cool as Agent Coulson, I could live with that. Uh, that could be fair. Oh, the one other one I did like was the Kegyar Hacker Itka. It's something different. I feel like they're scavengery and they're not necessarily... Like, I suppose he is kind of scavengery and that Menace says like he has all this hacking software and God knows where he's got it from, but I like the idea of a Kegyar that can, like, hack covenants or hack forerunner systems and open doors and do cool stuff right up until the moment he got nailed to a wall. Yeah, that was pretty cool, though. Skewered. Lots of people getting brute spiked. So sad. I don't know. Overall, I like this. Like, we've had some short stories that are just bleh. This is no Soma the Painter. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like I said, it does well to kind of round out. And there's also some good, like, history and, and some descriptions in there that you either remember from another story that's kind of refreshing your brain or it's just a new kind of perspective on some of the same information on, you know, like the writ of union and, 
you know, what the dreadnought was actually used for back in the time of the Forerunners. And so there, there are some cool tidbits that are thrown in that kind of just, yeah, flesh out the overall story to where it's not just a smash and grab mission. It's a good companion to uh, Shadows of Reach as well. I thought it was a good companion. It is, and it does a good, quick job of building up Menace as a character, which hopefully will come back in some shape or form sometime. But Yeah, maybe so. Does a lot very quickly to build him up. You find his backstory and how he defected to the banished and what happened and how Atriox sold him like the elevator pitch in <laughs> two lines of dialogue. I, I did think that was a little weird though, because like when he was like, What did Atriox tell you? And he said he doesn't say like one or two lines. It's like a, almost a monologue and <laughs> this whole battle's going on behind them. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is a great moment, but it's it's uh it's almost a bit too long. Uh, with uh, with everyone, everyone dying around you when you need to escape. No one pulled the stopwatch out and timed these things to <laughs> yeah. say, hey, it took him 39 seconds to say this. That's a bit too long when you've got six phantoms shooting at you. Way too long. <laughs> I do think this would be a great like introductory story if Menos becomes a, a bigger character, either in another story or Infinite or Halo Wars 3 type of a scenario. Yeah, this is a great introductory story. Plus, it's just a cool story if you like Forerunner shit. Yeah. Is that us? Do we have anything else we want to say about this? No, I think that's us. I don't us. think so. I think that's it. We don't have any trivia because there is none. Not, not yet, anyway. Yeah. What's well, kind of what it says. There's no real hidden information in this. It's all pretty upfront about what it's got. Maybe someday we'll find out who wrote it and that'll be a surprise. Yeah, that'll be a good piece of trivia. We know it's you, Jeff. Probably like Frank O'Connor or someone. Yeah, Jeff, Frank, although Frank seems to favor AIs these days. Maybe Joe Staten wrote this during a coffee break or something. <laughs> yeah, he just whipped it out. Just Joe, we need 30 pages to put in the end of an exclusive novel for Walmart. Give us something. It needs to be about the arc. Walmart called. Yeah. I need a short story. <laughs> what do we have? He's just got like a bunch of extra short stories just kind of hanging around. He's like, I just use this one. Joseph Satan seems like the kind of man that has a file somewhere on his computer called Things I Could Put in Halo If People Let Me. (laughs) (laughs) Old stories about the most famous uh, grunts to ever exist and shit like that. Right, well, I think we'll not drag this out any longer. This was a a nice padded out show and we'll keep it at that. Thank you everyone for joining us for another book club. I'm not sure what the next one is yet. Do we have any clues? Uh, some, uh, Evolutions book clubs. It'll be the Christmas book clubs. I forgot we're almost at December. We have some comic books and we have some Evolutions. That's how we get our Christmas holidays. We will serve you a series of short story book clubs and we are going to go into hibernation. It'll be nice because Halo Infinite's gone into hibernation. So I guess we'll wake up when the Halo Infinite news comes back. We're going to get so much information over Christmas, Krista. Just wait. Just wait. We're going to have to do like an emergency episode. Absolutely. Keep positive. Right. You can find every episode of all of our podcasts at halopodcastevolve.com. You'll also find links to the Discord server, the Facebook group, the Patreon page, and all of our other areas. If you would like to leave us a voicemail, which we'll get read out on our live news shows, you can do that by calling 205-EVOLVED. That's 205-386-5833. Please don't put your bank details in the voicemail and make sure that it is safe to be played on the air. Can't believe someone actually did that. I know, but 
I've now got a lovely big 60 inch TV on the way. So thank you very much, listener. <laughs> yeah, now you're 4K ready. Yeah, we should we should thank that listener. Yes, thank you very much. Right, um, with that mention of financial fraud, I have been your host, Aaron. And until next time, Evolved. Evolved. Evolved.